Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ah, yes, Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great product lines and incredible pre-owned inventory. Awesome service department as well. Check it out at sunburymotors.com. And, of course, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, K Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. He wasn't all decade, but Lamar Stevens had some all-decade performances. Lamar Stevens backing down Demir. Fading away. New career high for Lamar Stevens, 31 points. Ended up with 33 in that game against Minnesota in the Jordan Center that Penn State won, courtesy of BTN. Wasn't enough, though, to get all decade recognition, 2,200 points, an NCAA, you know, he was going to be an NCAA selection, NIT MVP, I don't know, wasn't enough. Okay. Um, oh, well. Here we go. Let's talk about the return of the NBA. And who better to discuss that with than Dieter Kurtenbach from the San Jose Mercury News. Dieter, great to have you with us as always, my friend. Oh, sorry, Steve. I had you on mute there. That was on, that's on me. How are you? No, I mean, to be honest with you, Dieter, a lot of people have wanted to put me on mute for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I do I do it because uh, we're all getting so good at teleconferencing and stuff. Now I just do it by default. I guess, uh, I, guess I don't have it down as well as I thought I did. I hope you and yours are uh, safe and sound and doing well. Yeah, I'm, we're doing great. Same to you. I appreciate that. Thanks. So they're going to have a season because LeBron says they will have a season. <laughs> it almost it almost seems that way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Um, and you know, I can't I can't blame old man LeBron for for wanting to do that. I I would venture to say, you know, while while LeBron is uh, clearly calling the shots as he has for quite a while in the NBA, I, I do think that it's the half of billion dollars that's on the line for the players and the the uh, threat of force majeure that that looms over the collective bargaining agreement that uh that's probably uh convincing everybody that they should go to the bubble in orlando but lebron is kind of leading the charge so uh we we can kind of spin it however we want with that well no because he's looking at the other players and saying two things one i can win a championship and two we got a half billion dollars (laughs) exactly the the latter has everybody more enthused than the former <laughs> yeah, he he really couldn't sell the I have a chance to win a championship to the to the uh, to the union, but uh, the half billion dollars is a nice sell. Uh, what yeah. where his interests lie, I don't know, but uh, ultimately, yeah, we're we're going to get the wide world of sports this year. Uh, so it, it's uh, it's going to be absolutely it's going to be so damn weird. I, I cannot wait for it to start. Yeah, it it, it it is, and not only that, but the we're going to put uh, was it twenty two twenty two teams in. <laughs> and we're going to finish the regular season. 
Now, I ask yeah. you, Dieter, and this is an absolutely cynical question. Okay. okay. I know you're right shocked. On my okay, which means that's where <laughs> you and I live. <laughs> if Zion Williamson were in the sixth spot right now and not in nine, would they have done this? <laughs> not a chance in hell. Not a chance in Orange County, Florida. And you know it. Uh, it is. It is. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. I love it. I love it so much. I My fiance doesn't care about anything other than the Warriors when the Warriors are good up here. So she does right. not care about basketball all that right. much. And when I said when I said at a moment when I figured she wouldn't care, like, hey, they're bringing basketball back as just a way to, to vent my excitement to the only other person I get to see <laughs> these days. Um, she goes, she goes, oh, oh, wait, Zion's back. That's the level of interest that Zion Williamson has that's, amongst the casuals. So you right. are 100 percent correct. They have to do whatever they can, uh, and, and I would not be shocked if maybe there's some false positives with the Memphis Grizzlies when they get down there, and just just to make sure that Zion continues to be out there. I'll take your cynicism to the next level. Yeah. They're going to force Zion's way in, yeah. use the coronavirus as a way to get him into the eighth seed. He's in, man. And, <laughs> and again, what, what I love about the NBA. Right. Is they do a lot of great things. So it's, it's okay. They have not put themselves in the position they've been in without making a lot of moves. Mm-hmm. But they act like we're all dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you hang out with NBA fans on Twitter and on Reddit and stuff, and um, it, it's not that hard to come to that conclusion. If we're being <laughs> um, listen, listen. I, I am uh, I, I'm a great NBA conspiracy theorist, but uh, the, the that league more than any other league revolves around the soap opera narratives that yes. exist within it, no and doubt. they just. They just decide this is great for business, and so they just lean into it as hard as they can. And apparently everyone's willing to suspend disbelief around that Mm -hmm. sport. It's closer to pro wrestling than it is the NFL right now. And uh, you know what? Good on them. It's good business. And, And I think that's maybe the one thing that I knew but was able to kind of uh, put in the back of my mind most days. That's the, uh, the one maybe of a few silver linings other than everyone now being a germaphobe like me is uh, <laughs> that we're, yeah. we're getting rid of a lot of pretense that was yeah. put on stuff um, because of this pandemic. We're getting down to brass tacks and pretty much everything. And all of these leagues are businesses. And we've seen it with baseball. We've seen how the NFL operates uh, in the name of health and safety. So I don't think they're going to have too much of an issue with coronavirus. And now we're seeing what the NBA is really all about. And, um, yeah, they they might play us like fools, but maybe we've given them way too many reasons to think that they're fools. And, damn it, it's entertaining. Who the hell's going to (laughs) complain? Exactly. Uh, So exactly where have the Lakers been working out? You watched the Jordan documentary. Yes, I did. We didn't have anything else to watch. I imagine it was very similar to the bubble that Michael Jordan created when he was filming Space Jam. I think LeBron got the exact same Space Jam bubble. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, I I do not operate in the... uh, the realm of millionaires in Los Angeles. I tried it for a while. It wasn't for me. And well, uh, I'm not. Su- and, I'm uh, not surprised you're too down. You're too down to earth, Dieter. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just. I'm just a boy from the South Side of Chicago. And uh, it was. Uh, yeah, I, I. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it, listen. We, I'm in California. Every day, I get people texting me about 
oh, the numbers in California look really bad. And then I look around, I look at the Bay Area, and I go, well, it's not, it's not happening here. I mean, it's certainly, right. uh, you know, we haven't killed, we're not New Zealand, we haven't killed the pandemic or anything yet. But it seems like uh, the looser, more, uh, more casual folks in L.A. are taking that casual environment and spreading it down south. So um, I, I don't think that he lacked facilities in which to do it. Uh, but I am interested to see because he's obviously leading the charge to get it back and he's held such an outsized importance, not just in society and in, in the NBA, but also in the union, the place where he's mm-hmm. fought tooth and nail to get that 50% of league revenue that the players now have and do not want to lose under any circumstance. Right. I'm interested to see if any team decides that they want to go up and be like, hey, we weren't allowed to practice. Why the hell were you allowed to do these secret practices and see if they can get you know a draft pick or something taken away? Who will stand up to the mighty LeBron? I'm curious to find out who. Let's see. Adam Silver's out. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly right. Shadow Commissioner LeBron James. <laughs> One hundred. I mean, the only guy who seems to be willing to stand up to him is Avery Bradley, his own teammate. So yeah. maybe someone else will get some courage in him. Yeah, but that might open the door for the ever-entertaining J.R. Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, Avery Bradley, again, just looking out for us moron fans and trying to make the most entertaining thing possible. Who would you rather see, Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith or Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard? I know it's my answer 100 times out of 100. And it probably doesn't help the Lakers' championship chances, which makes me feel good about my bold Houston Rockets pick. Yes, yeah. Suddenly out of nowhere, they could... Gel. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking James Harden doesn't respond very well to the fact that the uh, postseason has to happen right after most 82 game regular seasons, in which he only seems to care about you know trying to get the scoring title by shooting 60 times a game with half of them coming <laughs> at the free throw line. So he's exhausted by the time the Western Conference Finals come around, and he needs home court whistle. Plus, I don't think the Houston crowd likes him very much. As somebody who's been at a lot of those Warriors games, yeah. I mean, one, I don't like his game at all. I think it's painful to watch. But, like, anytime he starts missing some shots, I mean, the negative energy in that arena in Houston is just palpable. Yeah. And so I think that I think that team feeds off it. They don't have to deal with any of the three. Harden's going to get a couple of months off to rest before the playoffs, so he's going to go and drop 60 on these guys every night. Yep. He doesn't have to worry about the other team getting a home court whistle. He'll probably be right down the middle because there's no fan fans influence in anything right. and damn it he doesn't have to hear his own fans anymore so right. I, I think i think the rockets i'm not gonna like it but you know i think the 13 to 1 those are pretty good odds there but you know what he do, would have to hear from russell westbrook and we actually may hear <laughs> russell westbrook on the podcast <laughs> it would be, that would be so good the irony is as soon as as soon as the uh rockets decided we're just not going to do centers anymore which was a pretty fun bold experiment yeah. I, I liked it when the warriors <laughs> did it for five straight years True. um it was uh westbrook started playing out of his mind because he basically has the interior game of a center and now there's nobody standing there right. with a guy guarding next to him that the guy can just take one step over and, and mess up westbrook <laughs> at the rim so and especially with the lakers i mean they play anthony davis at power forward like right. we're not in the year 2020 so right. uh who, who the hell knows i mean is zubach on the clippers gonna beat him i, I don't <laughs> I don't think so. I think I think that the West could be really, really, really fun. Now Zion has a chance, and that's why the NBA will make sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, <laughs> it's funny because you say that there are many times where Dick Girardi and I will be doing a Penn State basketball yeah. broadcast, and there'll be 
a center in a spot. And the two of us say, will you just get out of there? Get the hell out of <laughs> just there. Just get man. out of the way. <laughs> all, you have to do is, all you have to do is watch the Bucks, And it's like, well, Giannis is going to go to the hoop every time. If, if Brooke right. Lopez or his brother was standing right there, that wouldn't be so good. So they put the poor schmucks out on the corner where I guess some, they can do a little bit of something. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's – it's the same. It's the same stuff. Like, just get the guy the hell out of there, so that they have to guard him out there. There's no illegal defense rule. I get it, but like, still, it's uh, it is it is um, it's, it's a it's a new wave, and uh, it will be interesting to see if anyone actually decides to you know kind of attack the weakness, which is they have no rim protection right. for the Rockets. I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone will. I've watched the Warriors a lot to know. People don't seem to care much about going to the hoop anymore. Like you and I both know the way the Rockets play is that the only reason they play defense is the rules dictate you have to. (laughs) I don't know. That's the other thing, too. They got Robert Covington and P.J. Tucker, and they're guarding two against five, and damn it if they don't put up a good effort. you got to give them. I mean, seriously, if you want to watch two guys rotate. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) Running from guy to guy. (laughs) (laughs) James Harden's just standing there waiting. I, I am a little bit concerned because Harden, guards a lot of centers because uh, he's the heftiest of guards and <laughs> yes, they don't have any centers. Yes. And it looks like it looks like he went to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and uh, I'm not sure if he's going to have the girth to take on some of these big guys. Maybe, maybe that is an issue for them. I mean, James Harden is already, it's already an issue. James Harden was their defensive center so that's problematic yes. in and of itself. But if he really lost all the way it looks like he lost, I, I don't know how he's going to go. Zubach might drop 40 on him a night. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm surprised with Harden, who doesn't move that often, doesn't get called for defensive three <laughs> seconds more than he does. Uh, <laughs> they can't. There's a quota on whistles in the I know. up on the offensive end, and, and there might be a quota on whistles in the bubble. We'll find out. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. It'll be really easy for Adam Silver to show up and be like, "Hey, not so much with the foul calls anymore. Yeah, just make the thing move." Uh, Come on, we got games to play. No, well, it's like baseball now is going to put the guy in second base, start extra innings. <laughs> Silver's going to go. Silver's going to walk in. This is what he's going to say about whistles. I talked to LeBron. <laughs> uh, the Warriors are, are uh, obviously out of this and won't have oh, to be yeah. a part of it. Uh, yeah. That's what 15 wins does for you. Um, <laughs> but that also means they get a prime draft pick. So we're reading right. more and more stories about a fascination with Obi Toppin of Dayton. Is that fascination well, real? Not really. Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think so. It doesn't make any damn sense for them. Listen, uh, I think they like the Okongwu guy out of USC yes. a little bit more because he can play as a uh, as an actual five. Toppin is just like a Draymond type, and he's old yep. and uh, compared to his peers. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that if they get the number one pick, which, by the way, because of lottery reform, they have a better chance of getting the number five pick than the number one pick, even though they had far and away the worst record. Right. Like, if they do get the number one pick, I think they'll take Edwards out of Georgia just because they kind of have to. He's, right. he's number one on their board by kind of a long shot. But right. they're, they're, they're floating all of these names out there right now, and a lot of people are just making stuff up too, because they don't like the pick. They don't want it. They feel good. They have the Minnesota Timberwolves first-round pick next year from that trade they did with Wiggins and, and Russell. Right. They feel much better about that pick, and they have no idea if Minnesota will actually ever get their act together. But they're feeling better about those prospects than the guys who are right there right now 
for them. Um, I, I think that in a perfect world, they don't get the number one pick, so they don't feel forced to do anything. And somebody falls for somebody because they're overthinking it by about ten degrees, and uh, and they're able and they're able and they're able to trade down to like five or six or seven, right. maybe get a second round pick or something, maybe get a guy on a, a nice. You know, a nice, reasonable contract, or a guy who's in the last year of his deal. I think they like Halliburton out of Iowa State the most out of anybody because they think he can probably help them now. They don't really want to do the whole "we have the next wave" because there's a whole big gap between the 30-year-olds that they have now and the 19-year-old, and uh, that's kind of no man's land right. there unless that guy comes out immediately. I think they'd prefer to bring in some 23, 24, 25-year-olds yeah. who have a chance to, you know, do something when Steph starts to decline, as opposed to having right. to hope that some 19-year-old figures it out in two or three years. Uh, what do they want to do with Clay Thompson, if anything? I don't think they can move him if they, if they tried. I think uh, John Hollander, who I respect a lot, but might have overdone it on this one, said yeah. that Clay has the worst contract in the NBA. Uh, he's, in, he's fine. He's bionic. Uh, it's kind of incredible uh, that he got a whole year off. I mean, he was talking that he could have come back in November if he had it his way. The Warriors basically kept him out, and as soon as Steph went down, they just put a complete kibosh on anything with Clay Thompson. I'm not sure he knew there was a pandemic going on, if I'm totally honest with you, because he was just kind of off in his own world being Clay, and yeah. that's the beauty of him. Um, but uh, he's, yeah, he'll be, if they do some mini camp or something, he'll be healthy. I, again, I don't think they can move him. Uh, the Warriors are all in on the notion of Giannis. We'll see if Giannis becomes a, yeah. a reasonable possibility for them, but it'd probably be more like a guy like Wiggins, a bunch of first round draft picks. Uh, than, than Clay. Now, would you know if the Bucks are so interested in Clay that he can be the the centerpiece of a a trade? Then um, yeah, I don't think they'd be afraid to move on. But they 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 remember last year in the Western Conference Finals, which was last May, which feels like it was either twenty years ago or five months ago. I know. Um, it was it was just Draymond, Clay, and Steph sweeping the rock or sweeping the uh, well winning the Rocket series before that in, right. in game in Game Six, and then. Uh, going to, to Portland and, and sweeping them off the floor. Like, they feel, and even without Durant, they feel like if they weren't taking on so many damn injuries, right. if they were able to get to a Game 7 in the finals, they, they are convinced, and I don't think it's total hubris, though some of it comes into play, they were convinced that the, the, the Raptors were not going to be able to beat them in Game 7. So they feel comfortable with the core for the next couple of years if they can't go out and get, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Durant 2.0 and Giannis. But... Um, yeah, they, they, feel, they feel pretty good about it. But they're going to be in the middle of the pack with everybody else. I mean, that, that's, just, that's just how it goes. That's how good the Western Conference is. I want to ask you one last question. Um, yeah. They moved from Oakland to Chase Arena in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The arena in Oakland would be halfway between Fenway Park and Connie Mack Stadium. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it had its own, right. had its oh, own it had sort charm. of, had its own That's sort of local. Yeah, that's what you say about things that are crappy. It has a charm. <laughs> well, that's why I always love when, when they put the word historic in front of the name of the ballpark arena. <laughs> but, okay, that tells me it, this is bad. Uh, yeah. so, uh, what, what's Other than, than Kerr and Curry getting their cars towed, what, what, was the experience of, <laughs> what was the experience of that arena like, by the way? Um, it's a nice arena. It was a weird time to move. Um, now, obviously, all the success that they had allowed them to do so. Sure. And they're making, even now, they're making money hand over fist. Um, now, 
And one of the reasons that they wanted to do it is because what made Oracle Arena this incredible basketball venue was that it had a concrete, concave roof. And right. so any noise that was in there, I mean, that thing reverberated three or four times as loud. It right. was impossible to play in there. It was the college basketball-like experience, even when they stunk. They also made it the worst possible venue in the world for concerts. I tried two or three times. It was painful. <laughs> it was so bad. And and ultimately, you know, the city of Oakland and Alameda County owned it. So the Warriors are thinking, we don't have a group concert venue, unless you want to drive down to San Jose, which most people up here don't. Right. Um, we'll just make money hand over fist with the concert venue, and then we'll, you know, pour some of that money into the basketball team. Well, you know, now, now concerts are doing all that hot, so uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, it's a very nice arena. Had we not just come off of an incredible five-year stretch with this arena that was perfect for basketball in terms of its noise and energy and, and ability to uh, impact games, it would, it would, you know, feel more normal. But uh, yeah, I, I think ultimately, you know, people will, it will grow, and I'll say, uh, because they were so bad this year, I, I decided to sit courtside for one game because it was so damn cheap. And I figured this will be this will be the only time in my entire life I have a chance to do something like this. And they show up for like a hundred bucks day of game, and so I did it. And I gotta say, if you're super rich, you are having the time of your life. <laughs> it is it is unbelievable. So uh, I'm the only guy in Oakland who can afford those tickets, even for one game. And uh, it was it was an absolute blast. So I, I'm sure who whoever's bankrolling it and whoever's you know paying the exorbitant fees, they're they're having a great time. And ultimately, that's uh that's the name of the game. It's all a business, and uh, it, it was good business to move to that spot. Uh, I, I rem- a couple times, a friend of mine got me tickets to the EMC club at Fenway Park behind home plate. Right. Gosh. You, right. you, can, you can come out. You can come out here, Steve. I'll take you to a, an A's game for over thirty bucks. They'll give you unlimited, uh, you know, RC cola. And I wish I was being sarcastic. It's literally RC cola. RC um, cola. Do they have Porter yeah. Johns in the parking lot? That's all I need to know when it comes to that ballpark. No, no, no. They bring them in the ballpark. Oh, good. Um, you, you, you get you get the trough. You get the trough or the Porter John. Your choice. And uh, yeah, I mean that's the, it, 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 it's really it's a tremendous cavernous place for baseball, Steve. And as soon as we get out of it. Yeah, I need you to come out and I just will. witness all of his history and in, in first-hand glory. <laughs> well, I took my brother's a diehard Yankees fan to the to, up to that club. Had a chance, yeah. To. And because Tom Warner is one of the owners, the right. original bar from the set of the Ooh. TV show Cheers was up there. That so my awesome. brother sat in Norm's chair, That's and so he good. looks at me and he says, "You know, I hate the Red Sox." But this <laughs> is really cool. <laughs> so, that is pretty damn cool, Steve. I don't know if I'm going to be able to top that. Oh, no, I no, no. You can use the same portage on as Reggie Jackson did one time. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking. <laughs> You know this is always fun. So, <laughs> oh, Steve, it, 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 it's always the highlight of the week when we get to talk. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely, my friend. Thanks, Dieter. Stay safe, okay? Will do. Thank you. you. Dieter Kurtenbach. <clears throat> Let me tell you this story, Matt. And I know we have to get to the break at the bottom of the hour, and we'll double up breaks and all sorts of clever stuff that Matt does to keep us on time. The great broadcaster, Ernie Harwell. One of the true greats ever. Announced the Tigers for decades. When they were tearing down Tiger Stadium, which had been his office forever, 
they went to him and they said, what do you want out of here? (laughs) And you know what he took? He took the urinal out of the visitor's clubhouse. Oh, no. And they said to him, why in the heck did you take that? And he says, do you realize how many Hall of Famers use that (laughs) over the decades? So obviously he got it completely cleaned up and he turned it into a planter for his wife. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, force-rated Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Roots 11 and 15, and Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Care, it's 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, awesome pre-owned inventory. Great sales staff, great service department, great deals. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us. You didn't know the Ernie Harwell story, did you? I did not, know. Now you act like you regret it. (laughs) But that's the, uh, yeah, that's what he said. Think of all the Hall of Famers that used it. But he gets it all cleaned up, and he turned it into a planter for his wife. How about that? How about that? Oh, come on. Don't be like the suit. Don't be judgmental. <laughs> I mean, sounds to me like, like you know, you want to talk IndyCar. If anything, I, I'd talk NASCAR. IndyCar, eh, whatever. Ooh, I wouldn't have said that out loud. He knows that. It's one thing to tell me privately. Okay. But <laughs> if he knows that though, so it's all good. He knows I'm a NASCAR I mean, fan. No, you're turning off both people that, that love it on their audience. No? Who's the other? I'm sure we'll find somebody. I'm sure we'll find somebody. Yeah. <laughs> well the uh <clears throat> One of the keys for Penn State this season will be the kicking game. Now, you may wonder, for example, what you may wonder when do they decide between 
Jordan Stout, and Jake Pinnegar. And believe it or not, it is exponentially more simple than you realize. Anything, anytime the ball's at the 32-yard line and in, it's Jake Pinnegar. 32-and-a-half out, it's Jordan Stout. So when you watch a game, that's the formula. I know you're stunned at how simplistic it is, but that is it. Yeah, It's interesting that in sports, there always seems to be a tendency for some, not all, but some people, to really make it complicated. And it's far less complicated than almost all of you realize. <laughs> all right. So, Jordan Stout, who transferred here from Virginia Tech, and he's going to be the punter this year, and the holder, and the kickoff guy, had a chance today to talk with the media. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, and of course. We will get started with Tobias Wilborn. All right. Hey, man, how's it going, man? Pretty good. How are you? Yeah, fantastic, man. Thank you for taking our time to do this with us. Um, what? Yeah, of course. How has the relationship between you and Jake, along with Joe, developed, particularly during these last three and a half months? So, uh, coming in to Penn State, I didn't know Jake. I didn't know Crystal or any of them. I knew Coach Lorig. Uh, Lorig was great. Uh, he recruited me. And then uh, through the past three months, though, uh, I feel like Coach Lorig done a really good job of trying to keep us together as a unit. And me and Jake, he's one of my best friends here. Uh, we talk almost every day through quarantine. So, I think we've gotten closer. But yeah, just we're good. Hey, Jake, thanks for your time this afternoon. No, oh, I'm sorry, Jordan, rather. Um, I wanted to go back to your recollection. Obviously, Penn State plays Virginia Tech week two. Um, what do you remember about the atmosphere there? How much are you looking forward to that one? Uh, Virginia Tech does have a really good atmosphere, and it's. I'm really, really excited to play Virginia Tech. I'm excited to go to their house, my old place, and play with my new team. And I, I'm just really excited about the opportunity to actually get to play Virginia Tech. Tony Collins? Hey, Jordan. Uh, during quarantine, was there anything you couldn't do that you really wanted to do training-wise, working on punting, kicking, anything like that? So during quarantine, I'm from a really small town. So uh, I was allowed to use my high school field and weight room. So I got all the work I needed in there. Honestly, just as much as I've gotten here. So I, I feel like that time off didn't hurt me at all. If anything, it made me better. Mark Brennan. Paul, I think we're, we were remiss in not welcoming you to the calls yesterday. Sorry about that. But, uh, Jordan, for you, could, could you tell me a little bit about uh, the coaching dynamic between Joe Lorg and the punters and kickers? Because it would seem like that would be a little different than maybe a quarterback's coach or, you know, a linebacker's coach. And 
what can you tell me about his coaching style with special teams? Are there messages that he tries to get across, that sort of thing? Okay, uh, yeah. I've been around a lot of coaches, and thus far, Coach Lorick has been the best coach I've been around when it comes to special teams. He pushes us. He uh, He's hard on us at times, but he's hard on us at the right times. Like, let's say I miss a kick in practice. He doesn't yell at me. He just comes up to me like, hey, like, what did you do wrong? What can you do better? I want you to do that the next rep. I feel like a lot of special teams coaches don't do that. I feel like they're just, they get mad at you and, like, yell at you. And I feel like the way Coach Lord coaches, like, is the best suited for me in the way I play. Bob Flounders? Hi, Jordan. Thanks for your time today. Um, pretty early in your uh, Penn State career, you hit a 57-yard field goal in that close win over Pittsburgh. That was a big kick. What did that do for your confidence? What did it do for, you think, maybe the coaching staff's confidence in you? And I was just curious about your thoughts on kind of adding possibly punter uh, on, your, on your resume of jobs at Penn State. Okay, yeah, uh, well, during all the offseason, uh, I told the coaches that I am capable of making long field goals, and then they slowly I, – I kept making longer field goals, and finally they realized maybe I could actually do this in a game under pressure. So, like, at the end of practice sometimes, uh, get the whole team around me, make me hit, like, a 65-yard field goal or something. And after doing that a few times and making most of them, he realized I would be able to do it in a game. And when in, during Pitt – at halftime, I went up to coach. I'm like, hey, like, let me kick this. Let me kick this. And he let me in. After that happened, I feel like that really boosted their confidence. And I'm just so thankful that they were giving me the opportunity because it's not like that everywhere. That is Jordan Stout. We're going to hear more from him in a moment. But remember, what's the yard line? You get to the 32, it's Jake. Outside the 32, I'm talking about where the ball is. It's Jordan Stout. We'll hear more from Jordan in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. He is going to be a major contributor this year. Uh, he would be the lead guy going into camp to be the punter. We know he's the kickoff guy. He probably is also the lead guy going into camp to be the holder for Jake Pinnegar. And that is Jordan Stout. Tyler Donahue. 
Hey, good afternoon. Good to speak with you. Um, last year, towards the end of the season, um, Blake talked about you as his potential replacement, expressed a lot of confidence. What did he do during his time on campus to help you prepare to compete and to take over that punter role? Uh, yeah, Blake was a really good mentor. Uh, if there was anything I ever needed help with, because he is a little more seasoned in punting than I am, I have been punting since I started kicking as well since sophomore year of high school. But just to have that, just to have Blake beside me, like, let me know, like, hey, this is what it's like in games. Hey, in the stadium, the wind's like this. Like, it, it helps a lot. And then just to see him prevail and do super well in games has given me uh, confidence to do it this year. John Sauber. Hey, Jordan. Uh, what do you enjoy most? Do you enjoy kicking or punting most? And what do you see as your ideal role at Penn State, you know, if you had your way? Uh... I think I like both equally. I pride myself as a combo guy, kicking, punting, and kicking off, and holding this year too. Um, I think my goal is to make it to the NFL. So I think the best way for me to make it to the NFL is exactly what I'm doing now, punting, kicking off, and hitting long field goals just to show NFL teams that I can do all three. And uh, But the best way to make it to the NFL is definitely punting and kicking off. So. Mark Wogenrich. Mark. All right, we'll go to Jerry DePaulo. <clears throat> Jordan, hi. I appreciate your time uh, today. Uh, I, I assume that uh, the division of labor among field goal kickers remain the same this year with Jake kicking inside the 50 and you outside the 50. Uh, and now you're going to be punting, apparently. How does that, uh, how your, does your preparation change? You're going to be doing both this season. Uh, ever since I started kicking, like I said earlier, I pride myself as a combo guy. So, like last year, I was just <clears throat> kicking field goals and kicking off. Like it's in sophomore year of high school, I've been practicing punting and kicking and kicking off. So I feel like I've been praying for this ever since I started. All right, we'll go to back to Nubias Wilborn. Um, what has for you the process of being back in Holuba Hall and just all of the dynamic of getting back on campus? in the midst of the pandemic still going. What's that been like for you? How's the adjustment been? Uh, it's been, it's felt good getting back with some of the team. Uh, as you probably already know, we're working out in small groups with mainly just our roommates and people we live around. So we've been doing that. Uh, I can't wait until we can finally be back with the entire team and then all the coaching staff. Audrey Snyder. count um joe Laurie likes to use the, the term pitch count with you and how he's going to change what you do in practice um have you guys discussed that yet this year and how your practice is probably going to look different than it has last year um no we haven't talked about that too too much because right now we're just worried about getting our workouts in uh getting stronger and faster the way we can 
I'm sure very, very soon we're going to be talking more about how we're going to be when we get back with the rest of the team. But as of now, I haven't heard much about it. Donnie Collins? Jordan, did you say you started kicking when you were a sophomore in high school? Um, and why did you pick up kicking? And, and, and how, how quickly did you realize that you, you had a different kind of leg than other kickers did? So, I played soccer my entire life, and I played for club teams. And I feel like the best part of my game in soccer was striking the ball. I never really thought about kicking until one day I was out at soccer practice my ninth grade year when the quarterback came up to me. And he said, hey, can you kick a 40-yard field goal for me? I'm like, yeah, sure. And I did it off the ground, and he just told me I made it. And he's like, you're going to play football next year. I'm like, okay. And then I talked to a bunch of my friends that were on the team, and they were all like, yeah, come do it. It's fun. So that's how it all started. Mark Prin. Jordan, is it an adrenaline rush for you when, when you're kicking off, especially that first kick of a game? Can, can you take us through what that's like? Because, you know, at least when fans are there, it's like the whole stadium seems to, you know, get into it. Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I'd like to say for the most part, I don't really get nervous. But adrenaline-wise, yeah, like you have 107,000, 105,000 people watching you, and that's just in person. There's so many more on TV. Uh, I feel like in games, my kickoff range just can go up about five more yards than what I usually do in practice. Tyler Donahue? I'm not sure if you're able to answer this, but I would love to get a little bit of a scouting report uh, from you based on the uh, Penn State kick kickoff returners. Not sure how much you worked with those guys in practice last year, but the two that are listed, Journey Brown and Micah Parsons. Uh, as a kickoff specialist, what's your mo uh, mode of operation dealing with each of those guys? Clearly very different athletes if they're back there together. Yeah, so they're both freak athletes. Like Journey and Micah both are really, really good at what they do. I would be very comfortable with having either of them back there. I think right now Journey's number one on the depth chart. But like I said, you guys probably know just as much as I do about that, but Journey or Micah, either one I'd be comfortable with. And that is Jordan Stout. And uh, talking with Joe Lord last week, as you know, and, and it was brought up by uh, in the interview there. One of the keys will be uh, you want to check out the pitch count, essentially. And you know, part of the pitch count is making sure he doesn't do so much kicking during the course of the week that uh, your leg isn't ready to go when you need it. And you can work around it because they have other punters. They have, you know, Bradley King's a left-footed punter, for goodness sake. So if Penn State face a left-footed punter, they got that guy that's ready to go. Um, but that's... Um, uh, they'll be able to handle it. It's not like when they had Anthony Farah here. I mean, they really had to watch Anthony Farah's pitch count. And Joe talked to me about that all the time, that they had to, because he was doing all three. He was kicking off, he was doing field goals, and he was punting. Well, yeah, now that becomes a real, that becomes a real issue. Uh, and they'll handle it. It, it. Again, when you have multiple kickers on there, 
you know, you have the ability to to handle that. And that should be, uh, and they'll take care of that. That'll be no big deal. Joe knows what he's doing. It's great talking with Joe last week, too. He's He is a pro's pro. And what's really interesting about how he goes about things, remember how I talked about the 32-yard line? That really is Joe's, Joe Lorg's approach to doing this. He says, look, he said, I try to keep this as simple as possible. You can sit there as the mad scientist and dial up all sorts of schemes as to what you want to do in special teams. He said, but you only get X amount of time during the course of the week. And he says, and he has found simpler is better. King's on the show tomorrow. That's our way of making the show more complicated and not simple. Speaking of complicated yet simple, I just want to say hi to the suit. What? What? 